Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. I hope you're doing well. Today, I'm bringing you part one of my interview with Guillaume, a polyglot language teacher and language enthusiast from Belgium. We talk a bit about the complex linguistic situation in Belgium before we dive into Guillaume's personal stories of struggling to learn languages and how he overcame that and what worked for him. I just want to note that you will hear Guillaume speaking in two of Belgium's official languages at the beginning of this episode, but not to worry, we do go back into English around minute three. So if you're not understanding, that's okay, you can skip ahead, but I hope you will listen and just take in how those languages sound, and I hope that you guys enjoy hearing more languages on a podcast that is about bilingualism. So you can let me know either in my email at tfibpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram at the future is bilingual. Now let's get to the interview. Welcome, Guillaume, to The Future is Bilingual. I'm so happy you are uh, a guest today and to have some of your time. So please, why don't you tell us who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about yourself. Hi, Heather, and thanks a lot for having me. I was really looking forward to this. I'm really super excited about this. And Likewise. to be on your podcast, <laughs> and uh, I've been following it, and I just love the kind of discussions that you have with the people Thank that you. you invite. So my name is Guillaume. Euh, et comme mon nom l'indique, je suis francophone. Mm -hmm. euh, en général, quand on parle d'être francophone, on... les gens pensent souvent que je viens de France. Mm -hmm. euh, tous les francophones ne viennent pas de France. Ouais. <rire> euh, C'est important de... à dire. Ouais. Il y a tout un monde. C'est ça, parce qu'il y a aussi des francophones en Belgique, il y en a au ouais. Québec, il y en a... En Afrique, oh, en Asie, voilà, en Afrique, euh, même en, en, Af... en euh, Amérique du Sud, il y a ça, la Guyane. C'est so, ça, La francophonie est très riche. J'ai toujours ça. aimé enseigner euh, quels sont les pays, quelles sont les cultures et tout ça à mes, à mes étudiants parce que ouais, c'est hyper riche et malheureusement, euh, la plupart des livres se concentrent sur la France et c'est vraiment ouais. dommage. On fait euh, un petit tour de toutes les villes en France, mais on ne fait rien ou peut-être il y a un chapitre qui dit « Ah, et en Belgique, on parle français ». Fini. <rire> ouais, exactement. Euh, et en fait, bizarrement, je n'habite même pas dans une, dans une commune francophone. Hein. J'habite en Flandre, mais près, mm. de, près de Bruxelles. Bon, la, la géographie et culture belge est un petit peu particulière. Donc moi, j'habite en Flandre. Et d'ailleurs, je parle aussi néerlandais. C'est une des officielles officielles talen en Belgique. Et je parle ce que nous appelons Flandre. Donc c'est un dialecte. Mm -hmm. van de taal van Nederlands, van het Nederlands, en dat wordt in België gesproken. En het heeft een andere uitspraak en een paar andere woorden. Donc ça c'est du flamand, donc ça c'est mm -hmm. le dialecte du néerlandais qu'on parle en Belgique. Et c'est donc euh, la, la langue qu'on parle là où j'habite, bien que j'habite dans une commune euh, qu'on appelle à, entre guillemets, à facilité. Mm -hmm. C'est comme ça qu'on que, qu l'observe. Hein. Dans la ville, on parle français et néerlandais, les deux sont mélangés. Euh, J'ai une question. Pour toi. Mm -hmm. Alors, je sais qu'il y a le néerlandais du Pays -Bas, euh, ouais. des Pays-Bas et le néerlandais de, de la Belgique. Donc, est-ce que vous vous comprenez? Est-ce qu'il y a des, des différences? Je ne connais pas trop. Euh... Um... Et aussi euh, avec l'Afrikaans, parce que j'ai entendu que ce sont des dialectes similaires. Ou... Est-ce que tu peux nous expliquer un peu? So, basically, the differences between a Flemish and Dutch. Um... It is, well, in, to my ears, it's rather a difference of pronunciation because mm -hmm. you can hear from the start, when you speak Dutch, you can hear that I don't have the Dutch accent. I have the Flemish accent, which is ah. specific to, to Belgium. And 
in Belgium, well, it's a small country, but mm -hmm. you have tons of like dialects of varieties of the language, mm -hmm. uh, especially regarding Dutch. Like if you um, if you go from one city to the other, you will have a different kind of Dutch. Oh, that's uh, so interesting. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to, like kind of to, to live in the country to know that kind of mm -hmm. varieties. Um, so I speak a, re a really standard uh, Flemish. I don't speak like a with a specific accent. It's, it's rather pure, mm -hmm. um, and so it's mainly pronunciation between uh, between uh, Flemish and Dutch. Um, there are a few a few words or expressions that change, but it's mostly to my ears pronunciation. So about six years ago, I had an Erasmus in the Netherlands, uh, in Groningen, oh, okay. so in a mm -hmm. city in the very north of the of the country, and. Um, I also traveled in the country, in the Netherlands. And so I heard, no all accents, of course, it's not possible to have heard <laughs> every variety of the language, but I did get accustomed to how it's pronounced. Um, and when you're not used to hearing Dutch from the Netherlands, you might mm -hmm. have some difficulties at first to understand how they, spoke, how they speak, how they pronounce. Um, but uh, in the end, it's just like some rules that you have to get accustomed to. And so, mm -hmm. Basically, with a bit of practice and a bit of listening, um, you just get there and you, you understand. So it's mainly pronunciation, like a word that I would say, uh, the Flemish word, which is gedaan, mm -hmm. which means finished. Mm -hmm. uh, in in uh, the Netherlands, they will say gedaan. Oh, that's more. In <laughs> my accent, gedaan. Their accent, gedaan. Mm. Another big difference is for the word but, which in Dutch, in Flemish, it's mar, mar, mm -hmm. they say mar. Oh, it's kind of the opposite. So you guys have some of the, the raspier sounds at some points where they have it in other. Okay. They have, so it's kind of big difference when you're not used to it, but then you mm -hmm. just, when you hear it a lot, you just get it. But so mm -hmm. the, the, what is funny with that is that they have so many ways of pronouncing the R sound. Um, I worked on the, um, when I was at university, I had a class with, so I, I am a, um, a Germanic student. So I studied Germanic languages in English and Dutch with literature, with uh, linguistics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had to compare a movie in Dutch and a movie in Flemish, like the same movie, but with oh. a different pronunciation. And some movies do have uh, different audio files according to the sort of Dutch you listen, wow. you're listening to. And I had to transcribe, uh, I don't remember, 10, 15 minutes of the movie and uh, show the differences in pronunciation, in vocab and expression between the two. Wow, 10 minutes and is long for transcribing. That's like pages. I, 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 don't, I don't remember how much time exactly. Well, but it it was depends how long they talk. <laughs> that's it. It, it was lengthy enough to um, make a big work and really have yeah. like interesting conclusions. And I noticed that in, in, in Flanders, you don't use that many different R's, like the mm. varieties of, of, of the word, of the way to pronounce R. Mm. But in the Netherlands, they have, they have used other type of R's. And in total, you have between four and five ways to pronounce R. You have R, you have R, you have the R, like the, the Spanish R, you have the mm -hmm. ruled Spanish R that I have never been able to make. Mm -hmm. You have the R sound from English. Uh, you might even have some <laughs> other weird way, depending on maybe people's native language. Wow. So, um, but they all mean the same. Like they all, there is no difference between okay. the short or rolled R in Spanish that can mean butt or yeah. dog. The examples right. we all know. Because there's um, minimal pairs. There's only that it. one sound that 
makes a difference, cool. then it's an important okay. sound for the language. That's expansion. it. And so in Flemish and Dutch, you, 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 you just use whichever one you, you like. And the person so, in front of you, according to the level they have, they might or might not understand you. But that's well, so funny. generally natives will get it. Natives mm -hmm. will get it. If I uh, speak like someone from Groningen to one of my students, French speakers, um, they will have a hard time at first. Just quickly, would you say that the differences between the Dutch spoken in the Netherlands and the Dutch spoken in Belgium is kind of like British and American English, how there's pronunciation, but it's mutually comprehensible mostly? Like there's obviously uh, vocab that changes. Yeah, so sometimes no. people are confused, like mm -hmm. the boot of the car, we don't say that, we say the trunk. Um, the lorry, we say truck, you know, there's all those examples. The flat, you know, for us, flat is just an adjective. It's not an apartment, um, but like, it's mostly still comprehensible. Um, I would say that the main differences are pronunciation, but they are, you can understand both. Like, I mm -hmm. think it could even be compared to the varieties of Portuguese, like okay. from Brazil and from Portugal. Um, so I speak the uh, Portuguese from, from Brazil, Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say I, I understand every dialect or every types of pronunciation because there are so many of them yeah. because of the size of the country. And at first, when I, the first time I listened to pronunciation from, from Portugal, I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> but actually with using subtitles and with like a, a bit of practice, I got it. And I, I, when you understand like, okay, this sound is pronounced that way, but it's the same word. Like right. you, you, you get it. There's patterns. That's it, pardon, you recognize these patterns, especially when you're into language learning, you just know how to, to observe that kind of things. Yeah, So, uh, but we definitely get better the more we do it. We're like, it. oh, okay, this is this, you know, everything kind of fits in its place and then it gets mm -hmm. easier. So I, I would say that it could be compared to uh, these languages that have different pronunciation according to where you are. So <laughs> American, British and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure there are so many differences regarding vocab. But I think that a native with a good knowledge of the two variants mm -hmm. of, of Dutch could answer this question better than I could because uh, I'm not a native speaker. My native language remains French, um, but I think that the differences in vocab are not big. Maybe they mm -hmm. have different expressions. There are some words that are different, but mm -hmm. it's mainly pronunciation, I would say. So maybe before we talk about other languages, um, tell us just a little bit about, you know, what it was like growing up in Belgium, you know, this country that is divided, it's divided geographically, right? Like the bottom half towards France is French speaking versus the top half, which, you know, there's like Wallonia and Flanders. Mm -hmm. Just tell us a little bit, like, what was that like? Did you have to learn Dutch? No. Did Dutch have Good. to learn French? Like what is, just tell us all about that situation, just for anyone out there that okay. maybe doesn't know. Yeah, because it's such a small country that some people like have very. Uh, I spoke recently with uh, with uh, with people from France. They, uh, I showed a map of the weather in Belgium. Like in in that city, there is this weather and stuff. And I said, "Where is Brussels?" <laughs> they guessed. They were like a couple, like dozen kilometers apart from where Brussels really is. But they, some said it was in Liège. Some said it was in Antwerp. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, it's a small country, but we sometimes don't really know it well, even if we don't live that far. So mm -hmm. in Belgium, we have uh, Flanders, which mm -hmm. is the part where Dutch, well, Flemish is the official language. Mm -hmm. We have Wallonia, which is la Wallonie in French. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where people speak French. And then you have Brussels, which yeah. is <laughs> mostly, mostly French speaker, but, and here comes the logic behind it, mm -hmm. it is in Flanders. So you have a French-speaking oh. city 
in a Dutch-speaking city. Um, so that's a bit the funny part. Yeah. Um, and then well, it carries the, it carries both identities in that sense. Well, identity is is a is a tough <laughs> topic in, mm. in, uh, with in related to language. Yeah. Um, and so at the kind of the border between Brussels and Flanders, you have what we call in French les communes à facilité, mm -hmm. which are uh, like cities where because of this border of the language border both languages are accepted uses and, and so on okay. by most people some only speak one but both can be used anywhere in shops and and so on um and so where i live in zaventon mm -hmm. um it is not seen as uh, as this communal facility so it is dutch speaking uh, but um many people speak french here and if you go to a shop and you speak French, you won't have any issue. Hmm. But if you go to change your your, your ID card mm -hmm. uh, in like an official uh, place, yeah. there uh, you will be required to use Dutch. And I already had issues when I could not speak Dutch yet. Uh, mm -hmm. And I could only speak French. I relied on my parents to help me out because they do speak Dutch. Uh -huh. um, Did you always live in that area? Yeah, in I've Flanders. never moved out. I've, I just like... I have moved out when I went on Erasmus, but mm -hmm. I have never like lived in another city of Belgium. Okay, um, but French was your I, native I, tongue because your parents French, yeah. French are is French totally speakers. Native language. My family uh, also. It's like everybody's native language in my family, but mm -hmm. due to the situation uh, of the country and due to the usefulness of speaking several languages in Belgium and close to Brussels, <laughs> my entire family more or less my entire family mm -hmm. is more or less trilingual and when I mean trilingual I mean they can uh, have a discussion and work with the two other languages or one I mean the two others Dutch but also English which is not a, a, an official language but is still widely used and yeah. very useful mm -hmm. so we all have um, a working knowledge of, of Dutch and of English except for one of my sisters who I don't really know what the real level is but she's like extremely good in Dutch. So that helps her enough. And she so can get we by. Have, yeah. yeah, she can get by. Um, and so we have, um, we also have a German as, a, as an official language, oh. but um, I could not say how many people speak it because it's uh, people speak German in a tiny parts of the country close mm -hmm. to, well, next to the border with Germany. Right. And in Brazil, you, you don't really hear German, or, mm -hmm. except for in that place in 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 Germ uh, close to Germany, you will not really hear much German. Mm -hmm. um, but it's recognized you, as an official it, language. Yeah, it okay. it is an official language, and when the the the, the king uh, like speaks to the public, to the folk, to the mm -hmm. to the people, normally he speaks in French in uh, in French, Dutch, and German, and not in English. Wow. But it's it's honestly, you go to Brussels, you will hear much much more Spanish. Or Italian, or even Arabic and Chinese, mm -hmm. and, and German, because it's it's just not the place where people speak German. So I speak German not at a very high level, but it's I have a working knowledge. Mm -hmm. I never need it, never. It's and and even while well, they speak English very well, so mm. just we would just switch to English. Yeah, um, it's a bit like in in Switzerland where you have Romansh, mm -hmm. which is. So they have four official languages. Romance is one of them. Maybe 1% of the country speaks it. Right. I've never heard that language in Switzerland. And I lived there for six weeks. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that language spoken. I still think it's good to protect 
you know, yeah, protecting I mean, this language with the official status. Um, I, yeah. do, I, you know, I think it is an important political step because we do need the government to be behind a lot of these language initiatives for them to have a real impact. You know, it's not yeah, enough for yeah. just people in their houses to want to do something. You need mm -hmm. a, a bigger movement. So, yeah, they might not be the most widely spoken, but at least, you know, at least there's a movement behind to preserve mm -hmm. these these languages that are native. And I know that is coming back in France as well. All the the regional languages like Breton, Provençal, and all those, yeah. um, you know, Alsacien. Um, it's good. I think it's a good move. You know, compared to 100 years ago when we were trying to like wipe that all out. And, everybody just speak French. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think we're moving in the right direction. But actually, you know, uh, in um, in Brussels, I, I couldn't talk about, I couldn't speak for uh, cities in outside of Brussels because regarding school system, I don't know how it works. Mm -hmm. But in Brussels, um, you can usually, when you are in a big school where you have a choice of which classes you want to follow, uh, in Brussels, you have to uh, study English and Dutch. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can also, if you really are into language learning, you can choose other languages such as German, Spanish, might be also Italian, but I'm not entirely sure. But so mm -hmm. you can choose these languages. And so when I was studying, I, I followed classes with people who were studying in order to teach German in schools. Okay. So it is taught, you have the choice. In the school where I went, I went to small schools, so we only had English and Dutch, but in other schools you would have German too, or at least you could choose. There is no mm -hmm. obligation to follow German classes, yeah. but you can if you if you wish to in certain schools. Mm -hmm. So what are what age do they start teaching kids these other languages? Let's say these maybe um, you know not the language that they speak at home. So if you're a francophone, the you know the French in Wallonie, when do they start teaching Dutch um, or English? Um, and same for Flanders for French. It depends really much, very much on, on which, where you are in Belgium. So between Flanders, Wallonia, okay. and Brussels, it depends. Okay, um, there's not one set age. No. Like not everybody starts it. There are different, like, um, uh, parts of Belgium, uh, mm -hmm. and therefore laws can also differ according to language, which language is spoken where, things will, will change. Uh, in, Br in Brussels, um it, well i will speak about my case and i suppose that things haven't changed ever since mm -hmm. uh you begin learning dutch generally in your well when you're about eight nine years old in your mm -hmm. third year of primary school so you have uh dutch and then in the third year of secondary school you will have english and every year you would have well every week you would have four hours of that language every mm -hmm. week Mm -hmm. So uh, in my case, at the end of my secondary school, so when I was 19, I had already had uh, about nine to 10 years of uh, English classes. And some wow. of my uh, classmates uh, could hardly utter a sentence in, in Dutch. Like the yeah. this language system is quite difficult and it's not really uh, excellent, mm -hmm. uh, but that's the case in many countries also. Yeah, yeah, um, it's not specific to Belgium for sure. It's not specific to Belgium. <laughs> no. Uh, many some, many people suffer that where they've done years yeah. of a language and then they they still can't yeah. answer like a basic question like even with my Spanish students I would joke that sometimes I would come in the class in the morning and I would say buenos dias chicos and they would say bien gracias and I was like <laughs> oh my god you're in Spanish there too to do. yeah <laughs> yeah so it's always yeah. funny you know <laughs> what are we here for I don't know <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's a complicated topic because it's also related to motivation. I had no right. motivation whatsoever be before my 
16, I had no motivation to learn languages oh. when I was a kid. It really began when I, um, and that's a whole story that I would love to share. Yes, please. Uh, maybe, maybe a bit later, but uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's just funny how I got into language learning because I, was, I used to be a polynaut, so someone <laughs> who's not good at language learning. Uh -huh. um, and so, um, yeah, you usually begin learning English when you're in your third year of secondary school, and that's about 15 years old, I would say, 14, 15. Hmm. So basically, you have six years more of Dutch than of English. And wow. weir weirdly, people usually, students usually speak better English at the end of the studies than Dutch, and they have had six years more of Dutch, but usually wow. it disappears of the brain, like progress is quite slow in Dutch. But not Are they watching TV in English? Like, are they consuming uh, other things in English yeah, that are in helping? English, yes. In English, because if you are serious, like if you go on Netflix, you, you have English. Right. But of course, you, you have other language possibilities on Netflix, but usually they watch uh, English more. But um, it's also, yeah, that's so also they're engaging with and English more. They're in, yeah. And actually, Dutch speakers engage with English way more and with French way more than French speakers. So basically, uh -huh. when, you, when you live in Flanders, you will... Um, watch um, Dutch channels which offer English movies with uh, Dutch subtitles. Mm -hmm. um, things are not so much doubled. They are yeah. in the native language, only with English, of course, um, subtitles mm -hmm. in, in Dutch. And therefore, that way they get to listen to English very early on. And they understand and by reading. Yeah, my Dutch friend said the same about the Netherlands. He said, everybody speaks great English because they don't put voiceover. So you hear English, read Dutch, and you understand. Whereas, you know, in France, it's always, things are always um, voiced over Poland too. They're always putting the same man reads every single foreign movie. Um, but yeah, I think that's a huge hindrance, well, not a hindrance, but it's very helpful to yeah. have the audio and then you're reading the subtitles. And of course that's hiring, which is probably why they do voiceovers. Um, people don't want to have to read for two hours <laughs> during a movie. But. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a bit of a, of a cultural thing between the two, the two parts of Belgium, well, the two main parts, uh, mm -hmm. without necessarily speaking about, about Brussels, like yeah. between Flanders and Wallonia, that's a, that's a cultural thing. Um, and so in, 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 in Wallonia, you would not have movies doubled. You would rather mm -hmm. have, uh, you would have the thing in French without right. subtitle. That's it. You'd have French audio, right? Yeah. So uh, French speakers are less in contact with Dutch because um, someone from Wallonia will very like will will likely never have heard about musicians from like Dutch speaking musicians or Dutch speaking actors or uh, wow. channels. It's it's well before that I really got into Dutch. I knew nothing about the language, like about um, any singer, any music, any movie, any accents, um, any channel. It, yeah. You just don't watch it. Sometimes you, you have it because of your package on TV, but mm -hmm. you don't watch it. And with, well, regarding Dutch speakers, I think they have more, they have, well, do they have more options? I'm not sure, but they do watch English uh, channels more. They, it's just, they just have more, more content with, more contact with it. Mm -hmm. The French speakers, they don't, they will not watch something in Dutch mm -hmm. and movies in English, it might be doubled instead of subtitles. Right. Um, but I can only speak about the situation from Brussels because I've, I don't really know how they do in, in like, um, every city in Flanders or in, uh, in Bologna. But um, mm -hmm. from what I've heard from people from the two sides of the country, there is a big cultural difference. 
And um, for example, a few years back, uh, a minister um, wanted, and that was her like her goal. She wanted to like revolutionize the way we learn languages in Belgium. And she said, everybody bilingual by, was it 2000? So 21 years ago, mm-hmm. ever since nothing has changed, nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's funny is that um, I am not even allowed I wouldn't, I, so because of my diploma, so I studied to become a teacher of Dutch. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would not be allowed to teach French as a French speaker in Flanders. Why? But I teach Dutch. I am native French speaker. I have the knowledge of grammar and of linguistics. I am, I would say, I'm rather an educated person who mm-hmm. has been to university. And still, I am not allowed to do that. Would you um, need I a certification? Teach. Um, it's a question of that and yeah I just think that some things are not necessarily very logical so I can only teach well we have plenty of examples of that as well like Mm -hmm. I'm from a very small state Massachusetts and you know you can drive through it within an hour you know north to south and I live on the border with Connecticut and I can't teach in Connecticut I'd have to pay take another test you know pay another $150 to take a test maybe pass it (laughs) hopefully pass it if I wanted to teach in that state so even though I live five minutes from a border, you know, it's not like we have like a regional test that you take. We have each state has their own, which that works fine if you're in California, if you're in Texas, these states are huge. But when we're in these small states, um, I feel like we should have like a New England test mm-hmm. so that, you know, if I pass it, I can teach in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, you know, Connecticut, which is right next door. It's just it, that also I was looking for jobs once and I didn't take the Connecticut because I was like, I don't want to take another test. <laughs> I already have my Massachusetts license. So yeah, there's lots of illogical <laughs> parts, especially with teaching. I feel like they put yeah. us through. A- but it's very sad because I, I really wanted to teach French as a native speaker to mm-hmm. Dutch speaking students, but uh, couldn't. So I can only teach to French speakers being not being a native speaker of Dutch. So it's, uh, it's, it's sad because if you really want to have bilingual students, so you know, a country that is bilingual and you want everybody to speak both or even or yeah. just to speak about French and, and, and Dutch, I'm not even speaking about German because right. already having people, having a bilingual country, having people who speak both Dutch and French is difficult. We can't even do it now. Right. So adding a third language, um, that would be nice. But let's imagine that you would have, that you could have a system where you have uh, in order to teach Dutch, you would have speakers of Dutch, like native speakers of yeah. Dutch, teaching Dutch to French speakers. And you would have French speaking teacher mm-hmm. uh, teaching French to Dutch speakers. Yeah. Imagine already that is, is a big difference because um, the only native speakers I've ever met as a student, so me following, like let's say, a Dutch class given by a, Dutch, a native Dutch speaker, I've only had that, I only had that at university. Mm-hmm. I've never had that in school. Yeah. Uh, and still, I, I live close to the border. So if I, uh, if I bike or, or drive for 15 kilometers, I am in the center of Brussels. Mm-hmm. It's a very small country. And still, so I am in the border. So they are, I am surrounded by speakers of both languages. And still, mm-hmm. you cannot find, you, you, or you do not allow to have an AD speaker teaching their language. It, it's sad because if you really want student to be bilingual, mm-hmm. just give them a native speaker who yeah. has to follow an immersion program. You yeah, can from follow, a young age, if they started it at the littlest, you know, six-year-old. Well, that's 
it's not it doesn't always work in my situation and uh, we, will, we will maybe cover it later on in my situation i followed um the dutch speaking school system as a kid mm -hmm. so i was already i already heard dutch when i was five years old maybe okay. even sooner um and nevertheless um i couldn't speak dutch until my 19. wow it took me 15 years to uh, begin to like reach kind of a to b1 in dutch Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in a Dutch-speaking school uh, for four years, and then I went to a French-speaking school because my Dutch was not was not good enough. Were, were the other kids around you speaking French or Dutch? What was um, the situation linguistically? I think that the teachers spoke Dutch. The, the students, I think, was a bit of both. Mm -hmm. It was still a Dutch-speaking school, but um, French speaking parents will likely put their kids or some will put their kids mm -hmm. in a there's being a school to have their kids to 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 hear right. uh, Dutch at school but not all of them do it of course so it, it really depends on where you are which school you are what kind of family you're from right. but it really de uh, depends and in my case I was very sad that uh, I couldn't make the most of it of, of like having I had kind of that immersion mm -hmm. um, and nevertheless I could not learn it and I, I had kind of a blockage. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there was a specific word for that in English. We'd yeah, like a blockage. We could say a blockage. blockage yeah. Um, I had that for years and my parents tried everything to like, they thought that I would have a click. Like, <clears throat> let's say that you go to, well, they tried to send me to uh, like sports camps in Dutch, like only right. Dutch. And they thought there will be a clicks at the moment and Dutch will spring mm -hmm. back to your head uh, because they thought that it was somewhere like hidden um, in the back of my head and that I still mm -hmm. had it somewhere because when you're confronted with a language from a young age it just does not normally disappear mm -hmm. uh, so they thought that something would happen and I dreamt it would happen because I thought if only I could speak even one sentence that language mm -hmm. it, it ended up being a dream actually to be, being able to speak that I thought for many years, I thought I would never be able to speak. It was an impossible language with extremely complicated grammar. That's what I mm -hmm. thought, that's what everybody thinks. It's not the case, but it's what people right. think. Um, and it just changed. So what happened between five well, and 19? Like, you know, mm -hmm. and also I'm curious, um, you know, you said you have this block. So could you understand Dutch, but just not produce it? Were you um, understanding what was happening when you were in school and if kids were talking? The sports camp i think i was not even trying to understand because mm. i did not like the language i didn't feel like i wanted to speak it i i you know i was just like everybody hoping to speak a language without having to learn it that's that's what <laughs> yeah. students hope now but oh, yeah. uh so i so i followed um the french speaking school system from about seven years seven or <clears throat> eight years old mm -hmm. until the end and um, you know the whole thing. Every actually, I had the, my first rebirth in my life when I was about sixteen years old, mm -hmm. and it was my fourth year at secondary school. That was my second year of English because we start in the third year. In some schools, you start in the in the first year, so it depends. Mm -hmm. And in my first year of English, I did like it. I had a nice teacher, so I had about fourteen out of twenty on average, which is not bad. Mm -hmm. And then the next year. Um, I noticed that there was a leveling up, that there was a difference because I had another teacher who, mm -hmm. so the, the teacher I had my third year was someone who, who taught in first, second, and third year. The teacher you have in your fourth year, these teach in fourth, 
fifth and sixth say, um, like year. So <laughs> they basically teach to like older students. And mm -hmm. so of course, level changes, psychological yeah. changes, uh, well, everything is different. And um, the level was way too high for me. I was mm -hmm. like completely drowned. And I failed in English. So in the third year, I succeeded. In the fourth, I failed. Oh. And I remember it was Easter. And you know, the, you have this kind of meeting with the, the teacher, the mm -hmm. parents, and the kid. And you try to imagine, like, find out a way to help the kid. My teacher said to my parents, you know, um, your son has been failing my class the whole year. Mm -hmm. um, and she, 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 she's, like, direct. Like, she will not, like, try to be, like, to find words to, like, be, be kind. No, she, yeah, she, she, she like, just fine. cut to the chase. <laughs> Cutthroat. So, and so she told me, um, either he succeeds for the exam, like 50% of the grade, mm -hmm. and I just let him go to the next year, or he fails. Oof. And when she says, when she said fail, it's like, he deserves to, 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 like, to have to, to, to see this year again, like to, to, to mm -hmm. stay in the same year because he doesn't have the level to go to the next one. Right. And then I'm, while uh, driving back home, I told my mother, well- Wait, were I you present to... at the conference? Yeah, we were. Oh, in America, the kids was... are not there. It's no, just parents. No, no, parents. we are. But usually, usually teachers and parents talk and the kid just listens. <laughs> oh, see, our uh, parent-teacher conferences, they leave their kids at home. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, well, so then you can actually be more frank like the parents will say like this is what's mm -hmm. happening at home here's some issues and mm -hmm. the kid's not there like we're not talking about him in front of him per se it might depend on the school or mm. on the like on, on where you are the city and stuff but here it yeah. was with the with the kids and so while driving home my mother well i talked with my mom and i said well what am i going to do i've never been able to succeed well this year i couldn't succeed it's impossible i i, I hated that teacher mm -hmm. because she had this way of making fun of me Mm -hmm. and I just when it began I was sitting next to my friend who was as bad as I was and we were like damn it 15 more minutes to go mm -hmm. uh, it was really a nightmare to follow that class and she made fun of us oh, so if horrible. we didn't answer right away she was like wake up wake up oh. um yeah she yeah was like talking down with students. she was kind of with other students and so I, I was like with my mom of what am I going to do I've it's been months that I've, um, I'm, not, I'm just not able to succeed. So how am I going to change it? Yeah. And so what I did, I don't remember, like, I, I think I had maybe the idea from my teacher. She said, well, she gave us magazines, simplified magazines, like, you mm -hmm. know, uh, one which is, uh, which is called Easy Going. Okay. And that's the thing you get like uh, four times a, a year. Mm -hmm. And it has like a simplified text with uh, images and with uh, vocab items here. Mm -hmm. And I was reading, um, so she, she said, maybe you can like read these things and try to learn English by reading with the notes and stuff. And I began reading an article about Kyle XY, which is a series that was being made at that time. And there were other articles and I've always liked reading. So I thought mm -hmm. I'll give it a try. And I began reading on, on my own. And actually I swallowed the whole Oh, book. Well. Uh, well, book. Um, I swallowed it. Well, it doesn't have meant so many pages, but I just swallowed yeah. it. I just we say I devoured it. it. <laughs> like That's you it. ate it all thank up. You. I devoured it. Yeah, but I get what you mean. I use often, but thanks. Uh, and so 
I, I saw, I noticed I was able to read it and to understand it. So I just read the others because I had a few at home. <laughs> and then I talked with my brother who is older than me and he told me, well, I have a few simplified books for you. You can give them a shot. And so I began reading a few simplified books in English. Mm -hmm. I read 1984 from the Dodo from the collection of Penguin Readers. And mm -hmm. I read a few others and I really, I don't know how, I, I just began getting a liking, a liking to it. I just liked oh, great. reading that way. And like something clicked and I kept on reading books that were increasingly harder. Mm -hmm. I also began listening to things. Like I began listening to music and looking at the lyrics. And I noticed that when I take my time with the, the like with the, uh, the material that I choose, with the method that I choose, yeah. I just liked it. And then I, I gave myself a, a, like a, a goal. I, I've always loved Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And I've, I bought this kind of a box with the seven books. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why I did because... No small I, goal. Just that's it. I thought... How the hell am I going to be able to read a book that hasn't been made for students? Mm. And I, I bought it all the same because I thought, well, why not? I, it could be nice on the shelf. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, when I began reading the <clears throat> the first book, it was difficult because of all these strange, strange new names and so many uh, weird words. It's not the easiest. When, when you're not used to reading that, it's just a lot to read into. To, a lot of new info, not only about the story, but also about the, the, the topic and about the vocab. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much time it took for me to read it. I think it was like 330 pages long. And I finished the book in the middle of the night. I thought, I, I think I had read like 130 pages in one day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and my brain was just powering up. I was like, I don't know, in, in a trance or in a in, the, mm -hmm. not in, a, in another like state, uh, in France, yeah. um, <laughs> and then I began reading the second one, wow. and then the third one, and I, I took my whole holidays to read it, so during some holidays, I would read 100 pages a day, oh, and gosh. eat uh, or devour an entire book in two weeks. Um, wow, something you, you found your, me. yeah, you found your thing, you <laughs> And I just noticed that I loved that language, not language learning, but just the language. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought I was not good at languages because of my Dutch, because of what happened to me with Dutch. I did not like the language. I didn't like how it's pronounced. Also school, like, like so many people know. don't like languages at school. Mm -hmm. There's that that's such it. a common, the way it's taught, the like way the language. teachers mm -hmm. address people, you know, there's just so many fact, like having tests, being always quizzed on things mm -hmm. like that's not, that doesn't happen in real life. Nobody's quizzing yeah. me when I'm reading something for pleasure or listening to a song. No one says, stop, what's that word? What does this word mean? You know, I'm just listening for the pleasure of it. Yeah. Um, if you you're watching a TV show, you're just enjoying the show. You're just enjoying the book. Nobody's gonna, you know, give you a quiz next week on what happened, <laughs> so. Yeah, you just decide what you do, when do you, when you stop, what you focus on, uh, how much time you spend on, on one type of material. Yeah. At school, it's just the teacher imposes and you just do what they do. What and you don't do. pick the material you were saying. It's all about yeah. picking what you like. I, because the, the teacher follows a, a specific method that usually is related to his type of intelligence. We, there are about seven, eight types of intelligences right. according to literature. And so you have visual, listening, music, kinetic, um, moving, kinetic. Yeah. You have different types. and um, Spatial. I don't have that one at all. 
<laughs> so indeed you have different types and you will learn way better with one method than with another one and with one type of intelligence than with another one and so many students will not be able to get to get learning out of the material because they will not like click to how the teacher teaches and uh but what can you do about it we have 25 students in a class so that's it um and so we were talking at first about, about Easter, what happened in Easter with this with this talk with the teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had begin I had begun to be into language learning quite fast. And then the, I, I also I, I knew that I also had to improve my listening and my speaking yeah. because there was an exam coming up soon for like with speaking skills. And what I did was so I knew that I also had to improve that in not only reading and vocab and grammar. So mm-hmm. I, by then I was, um, uh, I, I biked back home. Uh, I had 30 minutes to come, 30 minutes to go back home on my bike. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was, I, I've always liked to talk like to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought a lot in English while biking. Mm-hmm. Just making sentences and like, you know, when you have like a monologue, just talk yeah. about whether there were things that crosses your mind and I did it in English and I noticed that after a few weeks doing that every day my um, my spoken English skyrocketed it just it was completely different like I really began to form sentences that's great and actually the the, the oral exam I succeeded um, and I I couldn't believe it when when I noticed that we had this conversation with my friend in front of the class for the the, the grade, mm-hmm. and that the teacher was happy with it. I thought, what the hell just happened? Yeah, I did it. It was like the first time I was able to talk in English in front of the class. Um, that's so great, and-, and I think that's a great method you're touching on that a lot of people don't want to practice. They don't even think about doing that. Um, so I always would tell my students just to start thinking in the language, like even just to get that part um, is so important. But I think if you want to you know, improve your oral skills, of course, you have to actually pronounce the words. It's not enough to just think in your head like, oh, I'm going to go home and do my homework, make whatever for dinner. Like you actually have to say it out loud. So I think, um, you know, some people, if they're, you know, surrounded by people, they're not going to want to look crazy and talk to themselves. But, you know, get yourself in a private space where you can. You can just speak and you can record yourself and listen to it back. There's yeah. so many things we can do with technology now that, you know, maybe you don't want to. I feel like people always say, I hate the sound of my voice. And well, you know, many people do hate the sound of their voice. I do too. Sure, sure. <laughs> I do. I do too. It's weird to listen to myself every week on a podcast, but I do think it is it. super important. Yeah. You, I mean, you definitely get used to it. And I think the more you do it, even if you're not showing anybody these videos, just to record yourself speaking, you know, even if it's not a video, just the audio, I think it's great. That's a really great method. And I'm we so happy it worked. Are, we, we are tougher now on ourselves when we listen to our own voice. Like when I, when I make a video in the language that I, I like that I'm not confident in, but I can talk, I can speak, and mm-hmm. I, I listen to it again. I'm like, ooh, am I really going to publish that? <laughs> because yeah. you're tough on yourself. But uh, it's very important to pronounce the things, like to to speak and adjust to sing, because your mouth has to learn how to use certain muscles. Exactly. So, of course, between when I talk in English or in French or in Spanish or in Dutch or in Portuguese, whatever, mm-hmm. um, my mouth, there are things that are different. And if you never speak it, you will never get these muscles to 
make these particular movements. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's essential. Uh, if you think in the language, you can improve your, like uh, the speed, your fluency and stuff. But if you never speak, your pronunciation won't go anywhere. Yeah, so I feel I like when so was, many people want to wait until they're, you know, at a B yeah. or whatever level before they speak. But it's like, you can't reach that B1 level without speaking in the A1 and the A2 level. You just won't, you know, you can read as many books as you want and understand whatever, you know, the, the hardest book, but it's, you you need to speak. I feel like languages are made to be spoken. It's great. You can read, you know, reading is great, and, but you have to do speaking, <laughs> fortunately. That's what I tell my students. They, I know that they are shy, but I tell them, well, how do you want to learn to speak if you don't speak? Exactly. <laughs> you won't just come magically, just you have to do something about it. Um, and uh, even at low levels, I, I try to speak the language. Usually I I'm rather a person who will listen a lot, uh, try to see how grammar works, memorize the basic mm -hmm. words. Um, but uh, I do try to, to, to say a few sentences here and there. Um, yeah depending on if I really want to learn to speak the language fast or not, like I'm learning Norwegian. I, my goal is not to speak it. I, I just like learning it. That's mm -hmm. the point. I don't, I, don't, I don't know anybody who speaks Norwegian. So who could I talk it to, who could <laughs> I use it to uh, with? But uh, I just learn it with like listening to podcasts and, and, and Duolingo and that's mm -hmm. fine. But uh, for Catalan, I wanted to learn to speak it. Mm -hmm. So I... Um, I watched that series and then I, I, I had that language exchange with my friend from Hypia, um, who is uh, a native speaker from Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ha when we talk, it's half an hour of, uh, of uh, Catalan. And at the beginning, it was very tough for me. But then with the series and with listening to it a lot and talking, having these monologues, it really began to become easier. Mm -hmm. And then we had half an hour, we had half an hour of French and a bit of Spanish, a bit of English, but of Italian, uh, so oh. the language we have in common. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm still waiting for her to improve her or to want to talk to me in Portuguese to use it with her. Uh, <laughs> so we have these these, these sessions, uh, and okay. I, I I spoke it. I spoke uh, Karen with her, like even when I had a very still like an A1, A2 level. Mm -hmm. That's how you learn. And same thing with Portuguese. Last year I improved a lot because of pandemic, and I had a lot of time to talk yeah. with my tandem. And at first, I struggled to speak for five minutes. Now I can talk with one hour with any with any native oh. Portuguese speaker. So that gives just, me so much hope. <laughs> that's it. It's it just just it's difficult, but find a person, find a person with whom you will have the confidence, who mm -hmm. will be patient, who will with whom you will have kind of a relationship, um, and um, yeah. and just keep on using like you have have one session a week, and even if you have a very low level. Just speak five minutes and then switch like five mm -hmm. minutes in language or five minutes in the language you speak, which is a week and 10 with the person's language, which might be stronger. Mm -hmm. um, I have a friend who um, with my, I have a tandem and she's learning uh, English and I'm practicing my Portuguese with her. And uh, I just tell her, I know it's difficult, but try. Mm -hmm. And even if it's just five minutes and then we switch back, just try. Right. Because if you don't, it won't, it won't magically come. Right. We have so to I, start somewhere and then build on it. that. That's it. And oh, even the, it's it's never too too early. When I the first time I spoke Spanish to someone to need to speak, it was in a metro after a month or two of Spanish classes at university. Oh, wow. And what I said was, um, "Hola, mi amor, Guillaume. Um, estoy aprendiendo español y mm -hmm. 
That was pretty much it. Well, of course, with uh, uh, like my pronunciation and vocabulary grammar was shitty, but I tried. <laughs> I, I had, I literally had an A1 or even lower. Mm-hmm. Like the sentence I said was all I could say. And yeah. she really encouraged me to like try to produce things. I, we talked for five minutes because it was in the metro and she had to leave. Yeah. But uh, I just heard her talk on the phone. <clears throat> I was sitting next to her. And when she was done, I, I just jumped into it. I thought, try at least. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Yeah. And so that's what I did. That's the first time I ever talked in Spanish. I did not even have E1. And mm. that fueled me so much that I, I, was, I was on fire afterwards. Yeah. And I kept oh. on it. And uh I did that at the women in language conference. I, mm-hmm. I said, I wanted to practice Italian. I was studying Italian for like two or three weeks at that point. I knew like nothing, but like the Duolingo first couple of phrases, but I went into the room because they put me in Italian and I was just like, oh, buongiorno, mi chiamo Heather. And like, I could say nothing. I was just like, come stai? And like, that was like the end of my conversation, but it did like it. I, then I mixed in like a million Spanish words when I would try and say anything, but yeah, it gives you a lot of like confidence. Like, wow, I just did that. I just, you know, even if I spoke 90% Spanish and 10% Italian, like I, I at least tried, you know, you have to start somewhere. That's it. it, it as, as you said, even when we mix two languages together, like when I began <laughs> learning Portuguese, I already had, I think I had an B1 Portuguese in Spanish by then. Mm-hmm. And um, I just tried to talk and I knew that I was speaking this Portuguese. Yeah, uh, everybody, everybody yeah. speaks it. <laughs> uh even nowadays sometimes like like i talk in 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 spanish and they tell me that's portuguese or the other way around um but uh that's life and that's how you begin and uh then the person will say well you said that that's in the the other language and then you're like okay i noticed it i memorized it yeah but if you never make a mistake how do you want to learn that's what benny lewis always says Mm -hmm. i love his motto um he said once um if i haven't made 100 mistakes in a day I'm not happy about my day mm-hmm. and I That's love wonderful. it because it's so true how do you want how how could you learn if you don't make a mistake that's what I always tell my students I yeah. and I I thank them every time they make a mistake so mm-hmm. they make a mistake and I'm like well thank you so much for making this mistake because now I, we can I, all benefit I really try not to make it as if it was ironic I'm like it's actually not to make it because many people make it and you're not the only one Mm-hmm. And everybody will learn thanks to what you did. Exactly. I, I always hope that they will feel better and that that I try to create this kind of atmosphere of confidence and of um, willingness to make errors and to try. Yeah, that's and so important. You cannot learn if you don't fail. Okay. Uh, and it's not only about language learning. So um, it's about anything. So Very that's true. why when I when I I learn I make a mistake I'm like oh that's fine and and when people try to guide me I'm like oh thanks so much for underlining that because it's important yeah and uh, and uh, even with yeah very very low languages that's it mm-hmm. um, and so you know what's funny is that after that success in my fourth year so I mm-hmm. had reached fifty percent I think my teacher gave me a few extra points to reach that fifty percent mark. And in my fifth year, so I had in, I was into English mm-hmm. and I continued reading and I continued, I began watching series and movies and talking to myself in English. And uh, I think it was uh, my fifth year, I finally failed in, well, during that year I failed because I had chosen too many classes and that was too oh. much on me. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the next year, so the second fifth year, we had mm-hmm. to introduce ourselves. 
um, using an, an item. I took the Harry Potter five book, which was mm -hmm. 999, no, one, 958 pages long. Oof. It was like a Bible. <laughs> and I put it uh, like on the, on, on, the on the desk next to me when I was in front of the glass and I said, well, uh, I am reading this book in English. It is almost 1,000 pages long, and uh, and I'm loving it. I'm loving reading it. And uh, well, so we had just five minutes to talk, so I just was very fast, and I said, "So now I now you know I am the guy who loves English." And everybody was like, "Who is this guy? <laughs> like, what's what's wrong with him?" Because <laughs> yeah. it was just uh, for me, English was not a course. Yeah. It was it was a life. <laughs> it mm -hmm. was a language. It was a life. It was a passion, and. Uh, and so I began, my, my level really went like from A1 to B1, B2. By the end of my uh, secondary schools, I think I had reached a high B2, beginning C1. I had read about 20 books in English before going to university. Wow. And uh, my grade in, uh, so in my fourth year, my grade was 50%. Mm -hmm. In my first fifth year, it was already 70. Mm -hmm. And then we went on to the 80s. And uh, the exams in my sixth year was 95%. I was oh. one of the best. And so <laughs> English was my life. I was only reading in English, like Twilight, Harry Potter. Uh, I also tried uh, with The Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. uh, anything I could find. I just, I only read in English and I- Has that stayed with you? Hmm? Has that phase stayed? Because I had a phase um, where I only read French during my undergrad. I, I only read in French for like a few years and now it's, I've gone back to reading in English. <laughs> well, I, it's it's still a language I use on a daily basis even without trying to because so many videos on YouTube are in English, series and books yeah. I, I do less because I still have books to read in English. I put them on the side because now I am maintaining nine languages. Uh, if, mm -hmm. you want, if I want to read, I will want to do a bit of Italian, a bit of Portuguese. Catalan, uh, Esperanto. Um, mm -hmm. it, there is only German that I don't really practice because I, we all have a language we don't really like that much. And for me, that's German. Yes, that's not of, uh, of preferences. And it's some people love German. I don't. Some people um, hate Spanish. I love it. Some people hate English. I love it. It depends on people. Yes, um, everyone so, has. That's so true. It's the least favorite, <laughs> unfortunately. So that always depends on the people. Um, and so what's also funny is that when I was about 14, I began writing stories. I discovered I liked writing. Mm -hmm. When I was in my fifth year, I began writing a book in English. Oh. Um, oh. And uh, I finished it before going to university. Oh, wow. So that was the first part. I finished it at that, at that point because I knew that once I began with university, I would not really have much time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I finished it there and it was, it was not big, like 60 pages, kind of, kind of short, mm -hmm. but still it was uh, a real story with, uh, like, uh, characters and with, uh, yeah, that's like great real thing, just mm -hmm. not very lengthy, but, uh, that's it. And, uh, and I love writing it. Sometimes I would, uh, sit on my, uh, on my desk and write two hours in the middle of the night. Uh, oh. I just love it. It was, it, I've always liked writing and I've written, uh, Later on, I've written also in Dutch. I made short stories in Dutch, mm -hmm. like made to learn with explanations about grammar and vocab and stuff. Oh, um, and and I, I've, I wrote uh, 24 short stories, which are about 25, uh, 250 to 500 words. 
they are all on my on my website free to use mm -hmm. and um and I've give us the name of your website um, in case people want to check it out yeah so so that's especially interesting for those who want to learn dutch and who can understand french because everything is explained in french okay. so you can practice both at the same time so it is called uh, <laughs> camélion des langues mm -hmm. and i will put that in the show notes uh, so camélion like like the animal and so uh, yeah, chameleon. I know to become a language uh, chameleon, but uh, well, I still have a few languages to learn before that, but that's like an, a, a lifelong objective. Mm -hmm. And so on that uh, website, I've put a bunch of things in, in Dutch. So 25 short stories, plus I've translated 150 Fuck My Lies, well, from the French Vie de Merde. Oh, okay. <laughs> made explanations to how people understand. And I've, I've begun last week to make videos reading and explaining this VDM, um, mainly in, 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 uh, in Dutch with a bit of French uh, to make language learning material because people prefer to watch a video than reading something. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also, um, well, something that is useful for all those interesting in a couple, a bunch of languages. I've began to, well, a few years ago, uh, I began to uh, gather language learning resources. So basically mm -hmm. on our website, there are articles for about 15 languages. And every time I find a resource, be it a YouTube channel, Facebook page, uh, a book, um, uh, like journals, um, translators, uh, websites mm -hmm. to find, um, to find uh, tandems, um, whatever, mm -hmm. vocab, grammar, everything and anything, I put it on the website. So for Dutch, I have more than 100 resources. Oh, wow. About 95 to 99 of them are for free. A few of them like Link or, mm -hmm. you know, Buzu, that kind of things that you sometimes have to pay for them. I put there because I think they're important. Like uh, Link, it is a very, very good language resource. Yes. And so that's why I put it there. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the things are for free because I mainly use free things like YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Um, so you have things for like all the languages I've studied. I don't speak them all because I'm not at 15 languages yet. <laughs> In nine, I am learning two more. Uh, but uh, it's uh, my goal is also that, for example, I've done a bit of Polish, but I don't speak it. I've, I've not done anything with Polish for five years, but I did do three mm -hmm. months of, of, uh, of Asimov. You and um, I should do an exchange. You can help me with Italian and I'll help you with <laughs> Polish. <laughs> that could be interesting. But uh, I, I know that Polish is one of the hardest uh, Slavic languages. So um, when I, I learned <laughs> it, I, when I discovered the case system, I thought, how do you learn that? Like it's it doesn't really follow rules. You have to context. learn it by heart. In like, context, yeah. It's it. a lot and, of um, and I did kind of give up because of the enormous amount of things I had to memorize at once. And I, I honestly kind of... I would have if it wasn't for my husband. I don't think I'd still be studying Polish. Yeah, so I I understand. Yes, I have, I have, a, yes, I have, have a, a reason to learn it. It's um, it is a tough uh, language. But so I still have resources for like Polish. Russian, uh, Afrikaans, uh, that kind of languages that I've tried, but I've not gone to the point that I can speak. So that's the end of part one. And I do apologize as I know I cut it off a little bit abruptly, but part two will be out soon. So you can continue with this conversation and you will hear lots more languages right at the beginning of that episode. So I hope you're looking forward to that. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, if you can share this on your social media, I would really appreciate that. 
and a rating and review is the best gift you can give a podcaster. So please consider taking a few minutes and doing that if you haven't already. Thank you guys so much. And we'll be back very soon with part two. Take care.